right, everybody. How is everybody? I can see your face. Man, can we turn the house lights up, Bailey? Oh, look at these beautiful people. Come on. How y'all doing? Okay, it's, this, it's no surprise to anybody. It's Sunday night. Uh, this is not Thursday. You all made it. Congratulations. I'm not going to be here Thursday to see who shows up. So uh, you can ask your friends who's going to show up on Thursday. But hey, I'm excited you're here. Thank you for catching us on Sunday night. How many of y'all got school tomorrow? Hey, but be encouraged. How many of y'all go to work tomorrow? Hey, come on. See, y'all could have it worse. Y'all could have it real bad. Hey, my wife, Emily, and I, I don't know if I've had the chance to meet you. There's a good chance I haven't met all of you. Uh, but Emily and I have been married a little over three years. This is, it is her birthday today. <laughs> Emily's birthday. I'm, she's right here. Please just walk across like, yeah, okay. So, okay, if y'all want to know the real picture of our relationship, this is it. Okay, she's singing, she's got the stage, she's the one making all the noise, and I'm just, she's like, hey, get the confetti, get ready, get ready. Like, that's my life. I'm like, I'm setting her up, she's about to spike it, we're going to win the game. So that's us in, in a picture, if you, can, if you can sum us up, that's so good. That is a microphone, by the way. You're holding it backwards, babe. Oh, man, we got a lot to work on. Hey, and we also have a son, uh, his name is Theo, for those of you who know us. Don't be confused. It's a pink background, but he is a man. He is a man. Don't be fooled by the glasses either. He knows how to work it, though. Look at that. He, we could probably make some money. That little modeling dog. We did try to get his food uh, paid for through ads, but it didn't work. So, <laughs> hey, uh, uh, I'm excited about the fall. Uh, just to, How many of y'all were at church this morning? Heard Rebecca Shatswell speak. Woo! I'm going to do a shameless plug, and I'll say shameless. She, she brought it. I'm telling you, a word for right now, that's it. And so if y'all haven't heard the message yet, y'all can go check it online or uh, on our website or on, uh, I almost said Facebook. Who's on Facebook? My, my man, three of you. All right. <laughs> you can catch it on YouTube, too. But, uh, hey, we're going to dive into the Word. We're actually going to start uh, Life of Christ in our life groups. So our whole church is focusing on discipleship. Basically, that's a fancy Christian word for uh, maturing in your relationship with God, uh, going deeper, taking the next step in your relationship, knowing more who God is, uh, exploring your relationship with Him. That's what we're doing this semester in life groups. So if you've wondered, what's my next step? If you're coming here and you haven't been in a life group, please get into a life group. That's how we're going to judge our growth this year is how well are our life groups doing? How well are our people doing? Are they maturing in their relationship with God? That's what we want to know. And so if you'd want to know what's on our heart, what's on Pastor Rick's heart, that's what's it. And uh, I don't even know if that sentence made sense, but whatever. Uh, I'm going to speak a sermon tonight called Made for Steak. <laughs> Made for Steak. Now I'm telling you, I can eat a, I can eat a good steak. I'm, I'll be the first to tell you, I've never eaten a $100 steak, but I'd try it. I would. If somebody bought it, I would eat it. Uh, I'm not paying that much money, but I love a good steak. How many, how many of y'all just love, like, chicken? Like, you go to Don's, you're like, CCR, please. Like, that's you. I'm, not, I'm telling you, uh, a cheese and rice bowl is not the same. If you get, oh, who said that? I'm kidding, I'm kidding. A, a CCR without the chicken is not a CCR. I'm but I'm sorry if I've offended all of you vegans out there. 
I know it's, it's ironic. Uh, so we were working out about three or four months ago, six feet apart, of course, uh, my wife and I were. And with this conversation came up, and we were, we were talking about, uh, should we go plant-based? Should we do vegan? And I was like, no. <laughs> but then I, you know, we, just like any of you would do, if we started thinking about something, we Googled it, and then we were like, oh, there's something on Netflix about it. So we found Netflix, and then we found some documentaries, and we were like, oh, there's something to this. There's something to this. So we tried it. We, we tried it out for a couple of weeks, and I'm telling you, we're still on it. Two months in. Don't. Thank you. Part of me feels good about that. Part of me doesn't. Because when I see you guys roll up, well, not anymore, roll up in the church, but when I see some of you guys, I hang out with you, and you're rolling up with your chicken mini box, and you've got that buttery biscuit wrapped around that, just that breaded chicken nugget. I want it. And then I see some of y'all scraping the bottom of that McFlurry. And I'm like, man, I wish I could have some ice cream too. Sometimes I just want some meat. You know what I'm saying? Like, sometimes I just want some meat. I'm here to declare tonight that you were made for steak. And some of you are like, I don't even know what you're talking about, bro. Get out. I'm going I'm to tell you. So look at it. We're going to go to the book of Luke. We're going to be in the book of Luke. That's in the New Testament. We're going to be in chapter 15. But in order to understand what this story is, we're going to set it up. So uh, the whole book of chapter, the whole book, the whole chapter 15 is basically Jesus talking about and painting this picture of God's love, his grace, and our response when, when we make an error. When basically uh, God's response to us when we drift away. That's basically the whole chapter 15. And we're looking at a portion of scripture. So he talks about the lost coin. This old lady only has 10 coins. She loses one. She's like, i got to find this coin. That's what Jesus talks about. And then he talks about the lost sheep. You get it. 99 goes after the one. You've heard that. Probably heard the song about it, Reckless Love. Shameless plug, I guess. Uh, but then we get to this story. Chapter 15, verse 11. And this is where we're going to pick up. Jesus, I want to paint this picture for you too. Jesus is talking to... Uh, a wide gamut of people. So he's on this end, he's talking to the tax collectors. I don't know if you know much about history, but in, in Roman, in, way back in the day, these tax collectors took the money from the Jews and said, I'm going to pocket a little bit of that money, and then I've got to give the, the taxes to the Romans because if I don't, well, they're going to take care of me. So that was their job. Everybody hated them. They cheated people. They, gave, they made their money off of other people's money. Ain't nobody like that. And then you got people who are notorious sinners, people who their actions put them in a specific category, and then people who were born a certain way, they're put into that category too. So these sinners, the worst of the worst people by choice, and then some by birth. And then you've got these people who memorize the first five books of the Bible. How many of y'all in that category? All right, nobody in here? All right, so we're all at the same level. We can all agree that we're at the same level. We're somewhere in between. So we're sitting here in between. That's the, that's the people that Jesus is talking to right here. So everybody needs to hear this message. And so we get to Luke chapter 15, verse 11. This is what it is. It says, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. Hello. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. He just said, okay, I'll do it. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings into the U-Haul, moved to Mayflower, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. 
I don't know what you're wasting on in Mayflower. Uh, but we hear. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked enticing. They looked good. But no one gave him anything. Imagine this. Imagine if we could see the outcome of the decisions that we made. Like if, if we could look at ourselves four years ago, and you could tell yourself that relationship was stupid. Like, you probably wouldn't go in that. If we could see the, the end result of our decisions, it would be amazing, but we can't. The son left his father's house. In this part of the scripture, we see he leaves everything he knew. He leaves everything he had, the provision, the peace, the prosperity, the, everything that the father had in his house was his at any time. And he said, I want my share. I'm out of here. How many of you ever felt like running away from home? How many of y'all ever ran away from home? Let's start there. Okay. So, you know, you know the story. It's like you, you're mad at your parents, and they say, you can't stay the night with little Timmy. And then, I don't know what. You can't go to his house. You're not staying the night. It's a school night. You're like, that's it. I'm going to my room. I'm packing my bag, and I'm leaving. So you get on your little little tykes, and you're with your training wheels, and you ride out towards the interstate, and you don't have a clue where you're going. <laughs> but you just know you're running away from home. This is where we find that son. He's packed up all his bags. The U-Haul's full. Don I guess it's the donkeys in the cart at that time. But he's out. He said, I want everything I got. So he, sell, he pawns all his horses, his land, everything, and he goes and blows all of the, that he has, spends all his money in this city that we don't know. I'm finding my notes, sorry. Point number one is we look through this story is God lets us choose. God's love lets us choose. I want us to look at three things that we can learn from the father's response to this son's mistake. Obviously, we can see from this story, it's like, oh, he's stupid, like, should have just stayed. But in the moment, how many of you know, we can't see that result. So as we look at this story, we can examine our life and we can look at, okay, what can we learn from this? And the point number one is God's love lets us choose. Now, it's an amazing, if you're like me, I was like, well, how can, how can God just let somebody go? How can the father just let the son walk off, run away from the house when he knows that's what's best? When you try to run away from home and your parents are like, you get in this house right now, what's your response? Exactly. I'll, I'll give you another example. Emily and I, we've been dating for a long time now, 2016. So we've been dating for eight or nine months and I finally get to the point where I'm like, girl, you're you're really cute and you smell nice and I really like you. Will you marry me? And she, of course, said, yes. Duh. Uh, imagine if I walked up to her and said this. You're going to marry me. You're, you're going to love me. You're going to serve me. And these are the things that we're going to do because we're getting married. No way she's saying yes. She's a uh, Bye. Like, she, she would run so fast. That's the choice. Because we made a choice to love one another, we're in this together. Listen, if God said, no, you are going to love me, you are mine, stay home, we wouldn't want it. We wouldn't want to stay home. 
but our selfishness, our sinfulness causes us to make decisions that we don't know the end result to. We think we know best and we leave the house. God's love lets us choose. And so for the question of how can a loving God let me go? Because he loves you. Because if it wasn't our choice, we would never come back. We would never come back. God's love lets me choose. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes, that's the key verse. That's the key part of the verse. Whoever believes, it's our choice. It's our choice to believe in God. He laid it all on the line. He said, I'm going to give my son, I'm going to give everything that I have so that they can have a relationship with me if they choose to. That's radical. That's scandalous. How in the world would God do that? Because he loves you. And if we focus in on this fact that at the first part of the story, God's love lets us choose, we've got two options. And so we see in this story, that the son chose obviously not to do it. Now, I had this random thought as I was prepping. Amir helps me pre- uh, prep to speak all the time, and he's like, this doesn't fit. You need to change this around. He's, man, you're such a gift to me. Thank you so much. Uh, the Holy Spirit and Amir helped me write this message. But in verse 13 and 14, look at this. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. We already, we already covered that. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. Listen, your sin will always leave you hungry. Always. Now, it may be fun, and when you, when you first start out, you're like, I got this money, I got, I got the horses in the back, you know what I mean? It's like, I got all I could ever want. I'm sorry, guys, that was stupid. Bailey, please help me out on that. Don't. He's got everything he could ever want in his possession, heading towards the land. He's like, that's where I'm going to go. I'm going to Mayflower. And he's going to waste his, he's going to live it up. He's going to have the best parties. He's going to hang out with the best people. And at some point along the way, he runs out. He's hungry. He's looking for a job. He's eating with the pigs. And he comes to his senses. He says, How did I get here? Our sin will always leave us hungry. It may be fun for a season, but in the end, it will leave you empty, void, wanting something with depth. And that's in the house of God. That's in his presence. That's spending time with him. Point number two, God loves me at my worst. I'm just rotating. I'm just moving down this scripture. I just want to show you what God's shown me as as I study this scripture. God loves me at my worst. This is the turning point for the son. I got eight minutes left. Thank you. Luke 15 said, when he fi- or verse 17, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I'm dying of hunger. I'll go home to my father and say, Father, this is a speech that he's preparing. Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please just take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, look at this. His father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. First, the son's hunger led him to reevaluate. Because when you're at a point where you have nothing left, all there is to ask is, what am I doing? 
Where am I at? Why am I here? You're asking all these questions. And it leads you to look back. When was my life great? And this son's recollection leads him to, man, even the people that serve in my dad's house eat better than me. Even the people that served me when I was there eat better than me. If I had their scraps, I would be doing way better than I am right now. Listen, God loves us at our worst. This is the turning point for him. God wants nothing more than just you. So as you sit here and you're thinking to yourself, I, you may find yourself at this point, at the bottom, in the pig pen, eating the slop, and you're thinking to yourself, how can I get there? Dad won't want me. I'm never going to be able to go back in the house. I've disgraced my family's name. I've thrown everything I've had away. How can I? God loves you at your worst. Yeah, he loves you at your best. When our relationship's good and we're thriving and we're reading God's word and we're here worshiping on, on Sunday night, I almost said Thursday, on Sunday night, it's going great, it's good. But when it's not, it's hard to run back. But notice in this story, he doesn't ask his boss, hey, I'm going to need a few weeks, I need to go back home for a little bit. No, he drops everything. He says, I know where I need to be in my father's house. Billy Graham said, God proved his love on the cross. When Christ hung, he bled and died. It was God saying to the world, I love you. That was God's approval. That was all that we needed from the Lord. Now, speaking of God loving you at your worst, there's a competition that happens every year in June. And I've never entered into it, nor ever been a part of it, nor even heard of it before this week. But it's the ug world's ugliest dog competition. I want to show you a couple of contestants. Now, there's a lot going on there. You know he has an owner because of that bedazzled necklace. I don't know what else is going on. That haircut may be in. Go to the next one. Oh, sick. Go to the next one. That's terrible. <laughs> oh, man. Now, hold on, hold on, hold on. This is, this, is, this is the 2019 champion right here. The next one, Scamp the Tramp. This dude's a winner. Now... He just needs to be what? He just needs to be groomed. Well, let me tell you, somebody does this. Like, you're working year-round for this look. And this dog's coming home, and it's in your living room, and it's snuggled up on the couch with you. You're watching Netflix and eating a bag of popcorn. And this dude comes running up. No. Sick. But somebody loves this dog. That woman right there loves this dog with all she's got. She loves him at this dog's worst. You're the prize is $1,500. That is not enough. I'm telling you, if you had to raise and support this dog for life, you better, you better pay me a little bit more than $1,500. The losers don't even get nothing. Second place, sorry. <laughs> you got an ugly dog and ain't got no money. <laughs> That's how it is. Aren't you thankful God loves us at our worst? Man. That did not connect, but whatever. 
You're welcome. <laughs> if you're ever in California in June, go check it out. Uh, point number three, God's love restores what is lost. God's love restores what is lost. And this is where I'm going to wrap it up. Luke 15, verse 21 says, His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. He's practicing this speech. And he doesn't even get through it, the father says. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. So the party began. Man, what a beautiful picture of when we come running back to God. But this is such a, like, I feel like this is such a cliche God verse. Like, come running back to God. Come to the house. He's going to accept us. And it's like, yeah, but like, what about me? Like, what about, what about me? It's simple. It's the gospel. All we have to do is go back home. God's love restores what was lost. This son threw everything away. And the father's first response is to embrace him, to kiss him, and then tell him, shut up. We're throwing a party. It didn't take... I'll, maybe two hours before the party started, he said, go get me all the clothing I just told you and we're throwing a party. God's grace is instant. When you come home, when you come to the Lord, when you run to, his, when you run to the cross and you say, God, I'm so sorry, I've missed you, I've missed it, I've made bad decisions, I'm ready to come home. Right then, God's grace fills you. You're forgiven and God's love never left. God's love is with you in the pig pit. God's love is with you in the field as you're running home. And God's love is with you when you come to the house. I love this picture. The, I, I, I love the picture of one, I don't know how many of you know this, but when they feed these calves when they're first born, I believe that when the father realized my son left, but I guarantee you he's going to come home because of what I have for him. Because of my love, because of what I can give him, because of his experience here, because everything I've done for him, I want him back. I know he's going to come home. What the father did is he said, I'm, we're going to start fattening a calf. And for some of you who don't know what that is, it sounds really weird. And quite frankly, now in this day and age, it probably is. But they would take this baby calf and they would put it in a stall and they would keep feeding it and feeding it and feeding it. It's pretty terrible. But what they would do is this meat was so sought after. You could sell it for a lot of money, but at most big celebrations, this is what they would bring out. The most prized possession was this meat. So when the, when the son comes home and he yells out, kill the calf that we've been fattening. The son didn't know it, but the father all along has been preparing for his son to come home. All along, since day one, the father's been saying, I know my son will come home. Let's take that calf and let's get it ready. Because when he gets here, he's going to know. Because he's probably the one that did that before he left. He's going to know, I've been waiting for you. I loved you. I never gave up on you. Kill the calf. 
as he's sitting there in the, in the dirt and in the pit that he's eating slop, knowing that he's come from eating the best that he's ever eaten, he thinks of the steak. He thinks of all that he had, the grace in his life, the love that he was shown, the, the comfort that he had, the embrace of his father, the security that he had, his identity, he knew who he was. He wasn't scrounging for food every single day. He was confident. Those are the things that in our relationship with the Lord, we receive when we are seeking him. You were made for steak. You were made for the best. You were not made for what you could create or you could come up with or you could find laying on the ground. God wants the best for you. As you're sitting in here and you may be in the pig pit, I don't even know if that's a thing. Is that a thing? Pig pit? You're sitting there searching for slop, wondering, is this all I have? Is this what the end is? Is this what, is this really what God has for me? No. God wants you. And he's done everything he can for you to come home. He's prepared it. He's given you glimpses of it through friends, through the things that you've experienced, the gifts that you have. He said, you are my daughter. You are my son. I love you. I'm just waiting on you to come home. For some of you, it may mean coming home for the first time. But for some of you in here, you may have been wondering. The older son, he's out working, slaving in the fields, and he comes in, and he's looking at, he hears the sound of this, the music. He hears Pitbull on the radio. He hears the dance floor popping, everybody's singing, everybody's dancing, they're cheering, they're hoorah, hoorayin', everything. And he's like, what's going on? What? I left eight hours ago and nobody was doing anything. His pride had let him slip away. And it led him to believe that nothing his father offered him or had was his. But look at what God says in the next few verses. Everything I have is yours. Why? Because you're at my house. You're in relationship with me. This is the simple gospel. We, we fall off. We make mistakes. We make decisions that distance us from God. And at some point or another, we hit a turning point or a breaking point and we say, man, I'm thinking of all I had. Or maybe I've never experienced it, but I'm searching for something I'm not finding right here. Okay, I'm gonna give this a shot. And in that very moment is why Jesus, 2,000 years ago, died on the cross for us. Man, it's so beautiful. So that we could have a choice to come home. God loved us at our worst. And God's love lets us choose. And so today I'm gonna give you, a couple of you, an option. Some of you in here maybe have never made that decision. But I know some of you in here are a lot like me, and some, especially in this last season. It's been hard. Even having vision, praying, worshiping on my own, getting in the Word, spending time with God, it's felt hard. It's felt just like, like I'm wading through mud trying to, trying to make this thing happen. It's not that hard. I make it hard. Some of you, you may just need to refocus tonight. So I'm going to pray for us really quick.